Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic podcast. Now, it is Bat Fan Christmas, okay? It's DC Fan Christmas today because this is dropping at midnight. The night of the 18th, and you know what just came out? The Snyder Cut. And whether you've been campaigning or silently wishing the day is finally here, I'm sure I've probably seen it twice by now already. But before we could talk about that, we've got to talk about the much derided theatrical version from 2017, okay? Got to shout out our longtime sponsor, Radar Toys. You can save 10% at RadarToys.com using the code BATFANPOD. But right now, we are going to get into Joss Whedon's Justice League. Okay, we're doing it. We are... Oh, no, uh, the drum set looks nice, too. The drum. Yeah. So the white one was the first one we did. God damn it, you're fucking up my <laughs> intro. <laughs> no, hey, uh, save us promo. <laughs> Vertical Drum Company. Get some. Yeah, Evs put his artwork on drum shells now, so... He's linked in my bio there on Instagram. You can follow him, too. I'm painting things. All right, so we're going to do the too much talked about 2017 Justice League as we build up to the Snyder Cut. This was written by Chris Terrio and Joss Whedon, directed by Zack Snyder in name only. That, uh, that never even sat right with me in the theater of like, why would you put this man's name on it? That's weird. I- because I think he's still responsible for a lot of what we saw. Okay, we'll get into that. Uh, starring Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, Jason Momoa, Ezra Miller, Henry Cavill, who was absent from most of the marketing materials because we were left to think he was dead, even though the previous movie implied heavily that he's not. Um, Amy Adams, Ray Fisher in his film debut, really, really uh, killing it with what little they gave him. Kieran Hines, and many, many more that we would be here all day listing because this is very much a huge ensemble piece. Uh, And the last thing I'll mention in the opening credits, composed by the one and only Danny Elfman. Oh, boy, how do you even unpack it in a quick way? But this this is a movie that was on the heels of Man of Steel that everyone thought was too dark, and so they addressed that and went even darker in Batman v Superman. That's the right way to do it. And Warners were really starting to feel the pressure from the critical backlash. And, you know, this is a time where the Affleck, sad Batman, press junket meme was a thing. And Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> yep. That's such a good song. Exactly. And, you know, there was just a lot of backlash. And then right after that, you have Civil War, which is a very, very similar movie, just outperforming it in every way, you know. And so Warners are going, look, uh, we want to do this shared universe thing that's been so successful across the street. We've got to lighten it up, though. And Zach had screened a cut of the film for executives that was you know, not rendered with CGI or anything, but, it, you know, it was everything that they had shot. And I, I don't understand how they get past scripting and approval to greenlight it and then 
they look at it and go, yeah, we just need to go back to the drawing board. But So much wasted effort. Yeah, essentially that's what happened. But that is what a lot of movie making is now, especially big movies. It's like throw insane amounts of money all over the place and hope that it sticks. And then focus place. group it and see yeah. what the focus group says and, you know, fix yeah, it. I mean, I think a lot of the people involved, not that I'm like some movie making genius, although I am, but they don't know what they're doing either. They're just like, they're going off of like past trends and statistics and, oh, look at the Marvel movies. They did this. So yeah. my gut instinct is like a, you know, good guy who places good bets is that we need to do that too. And I think Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman are not bad because they're dark. They're bad because they're not written well. To take from them that they're dark and we need to make them light that will fix it is the complete wrong take. Yeah. For sure. It's one of those things where you have a bold, original artist who is doing their own thing and building a name for that originality, right? And then at a certain point... And this is not Snyder's fault. This is uh, Warner's fault. And you know, like me and Ev said off air earlier, that you can trace this back to Burton versus Schumacher. It's just been a thing. They listened to the critical reception a lot. If they didn't, we wouldn't be getting the Snyder cut now. I mean, they they want to give people what they're asking for. And so yeah. this is one of those moments where it's like think of Metallica or something like this is their Saint Anger or Avatar, the movie Avatar. Okay, I don't know anything about that movie, but I'm just I don't know either. a thing like where you've built this career being pioneers and you're taking chances, <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden you're the old guys and now everyone's tuning their guitars really low and going, this is heavy. Well, oh, let's do that, you know, or you're fucking Christina Aguilera who broke boundaries in pop and doing all this crazy shit that we hadn't seen since, you know, Madonna blazed that trail. And then all of a sudden... Well, now I'm not provocative and exciting, so I'm just going to ape Lady Gaga. I mean, we've we've seen many examples in pop culture of these people who built something for themselves and then kind of go, ooh, but this shit's really hot right now. I want to sell tickets. I'm going to just try to conform a little bit and ride this train. Yeah, and although they, I think they made the wrong choice. Yeah. Not just because it was the wrong choice, but because it's so mishmash cobbled together that it, it just doesn't work on its own. Yeah. Like you could have had a lighthearted Justice League movie that worked, but it had to be that from the start. It had to be made with that in mind. Yeah. And I but think I that... Well, I just want to say, I don't think it was wrong of them to to try something else. Although it wasn't a lot of it because Zack Snyder's daughter died and he needed to step away from that. Well, and that's the really tricky thing is that that happened right at the same time. And so they continued for a short time and then it was basically kind of scapegoating her death. That was, that was the way I read it at the time, because I'm looking at it uh -huh. going, well, we already know that <laughs> a lot of people really don't like this direction, and the studio is very concerned about it, right? Then we have this tragedy happen, and in my mind, I'm going, okay, well, that means they're going to delay the film a while, they're going to take some time and uh, you know, let him get back on his feet, and, and Deborah Snyder being a producer as well. You know? Well, <laughs> they didn't. And we later realized that there was an article saying that that's because they, the executives wanted their quarterly bonuses. Like, what do you mean? We're not going to... No, we're going to put it out this year. It's going to happen. Sure. You know? They're just making hamburgers. And they exactly. And it's, hamburgers. They don't care. that's the Warner thing is that they are great about 
choosing a trailblazing visionary director to launch a series, whether that's Nolan, Snyder, Burton, whatever, but they're also really short-sighted. They want that short-term gain instead of that big picture arc. I'm amazed that Nolan was able to get away <laughs> with his whole thing and, and just they were successful. That's, you can do whatever you want if you're successful enough. Yeah. And again, I mean, you can debate what is and isn't successful, but in this genre, they're just comparing it to those Nolan numbers and to those Marvel numbers. Yeah, I think it's just sales. Exactly. And, and I don't, when we talk about this, we're going to have to be critical of Joss Whedon. And I think that he was kind of given an impossible task in one way. We've also found out from Ray Fisher and other people speaking out that, you know, Joss Whedon might also just be a piece of shit. And that's a whole separate conversation. But in terms of the movie by itself, like if you were to be given Watchmen and go, all right, we need to punch this up a bit, guys. Like, how the fuck? Or like Godfather. Like, yeah, you know, it's, you know, he's got some good, like, ideas with the visuals, but it's just really, it's a fucking downer. Yeah, it's a drag. So if you come in and write some jokes, some jokey <laughs> scenes to, like, lift it up a little bit, that really helped. Yeah. I mean, there's so much shit going on with this, and it, it already took a divided fan base and broke it down even further, and ultimately just squashed the anticipation that they would have had for this movie. Because seeing all these characters on screen together for the first time ever should have been as monumental as the Avengers. But because there's so much baggage attached to it and other factions being already disappointed in past films, it's like, you know, there was no way that this was going to succeed. They just, they just should have put it off. They should have let him have his time, come back or to just it. gone with a different director entirely before doing it. Yeah, I, I think that two things that... You know, when you talk about trying to somehow revamp somebody else's creation just seems so weird because it, it's not a mixing, mastering scenario. Yeah. This is like take their material, also make new material, also create a new vision. It's not yeah. it's not how it usually goes. It's like uh, it's like take my template, make it better, not entirely change the direction and make it your own. Like I wouldn't take your guys's art piece and make it my art piece. It's just weird. Yeah. But as you're saying that, I mean, I'm thinking you can do that because there are a lot of people who that's all they do is just rework other people's stuff. So there's a way to do it, but yeah, maybe it's because this was too close to being done or maybe it could be done, but Joss Whedon didn't have enough time either. Yeah. It's just so rushed. I don't think it makes any sense. Like, why would you? Why wouldn't you do your own thing? And when you guys were talking earlier, all I could think was like, if I wanted to get a type of tattoo, I would search out the kind of person who did the kind of tattoo that I liked. Yeah. I would not go to a person with a cartoony colorful style to do a realistic black and white portrait. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So like Snyder's stuff isn't popping off like they want it to but he gets signed up to do something else anyways, and then they want to change it. But you need to do that kind of work preemptively. Yeah. Like working at the cabinet shop taught me anything. It was like, you need to follow the problem back to the beginning of the problem and make it never happen. It was like, you don't want to fix 
you, you don't want to like create solutions to problems, steps and steps down the road. You want to whittle it back and find the beginning of the process and make it totally different. So if they wanted something totally different, then they should have hired somebody totally different. If that like yeah. Snyder's thing is to make visually dark, shadowy films. That's his jam. Like either you want him for that or you do not. Yeah. Or to set boundaries or something. Cause like watching this movie, there were so many times where I had, I was like, that's really cool. That scene was cool and exciting. And I like that, but everything they're saying is stupid. Not just the <laughs> jokes, but like the serious stuff that I know came from the original version is not good either. And some of the shots when interesting things aren't happening, like again, talking about like a regular drama or another movie where, where the characters aren't in the midst of an action scene, but the way it's shot and what they're saying is engaging and dynamic and pulls you in. And there were so many shots in this to me that looked like it was from a commercial or something. Yeah. Like Doritos commercial. Yeah. They were slick and they were like well lit, but they were boring. They were so boring and flat. They completely do not match with these like crazy action scenes and all that. It's just like yeah. you need someone else to write these movies or even direct it and have him be like a visual director or yeah. a collaborator totally. with someone yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's just calling back to what we first started with of having a visionary project and having to force that into a box of you know what's trendy or what's selling or something and i mean they go as far as to literally take the guy who directed the avengers movies to, to redo the i mean they're aping marvel that hard of like yeah. they just hired that dude but you have a movie that's already basically fucking done except for post and so they've invested too much money to just reboot or start from scratch and so they make this fatal flaw of like, well, we're going to invest all this money into reshooting this and turn it into something else, which no one liked either. What are the numbers on this? Like, what was the final, but before the Zack Snyder cut, what was the budget? What was the return? That I'm not sure, but I can tell you this. I remember, I always go to the Thursday night premieres, you know, when they open. And by Saturday morning, all the movie sites are calling this opening weekend the four-day weekend a bomb there's so much invested in this movie it's a it becomes such an easy shot right that everyone's almost rooting for it to fail that not even halfway through that weekend are they already calling this that it's been open for half a night and one day and they're going you know what this thing is fucked and I know I mean, they could base that on numbers and stuff, but I just like at the time I'm like, oh man, they just no one's gonna give this a chance. I mean, I think it's both. I mean, people are always willing and excited to tear something apart, and yeah. chew it up for any number of reasons. But at the same time, I do think they have like really smart accountants and actuaries who can go like, oh shit, based on these four cities, this one night, if we project it out to, we're yeah. nowhere near, and the whole thing's gonna, yeah. And then so somebody else picks up on that and writes a story. Oh. I also don't think that it's good to jump the gun, but all kinds of people see different things and interpret different things. And like a turd is a turd or a gold nugget is a gold nugget. Yeah. It doesn't take long to call it like you see it. I know. It was just so like emblematic of the culture at that time and the hype or even anti-hype surrounding that movie. Sure. And again, talking about the divisiveness, I mentioned Elfman. You know, we have a director who's replaced their original director, he's rewriting, he's reshooting, and then Junkie XL, who was the 
kind of co-composer on BVS, had taken over, and he was doing the score, only to be fired by Joss Whedon as well, or assumed by Joss Whedon, maybe it was Jeff Johns, and replaced from scratch with Danny Elfman. And with all the shit going wrong, I thought, well, hey, that's a silver lining. At least that's kind of cool. And Hans Zimmer had said, I'm done making comic book movies. The shit is stupid. And he even like dissed, he dissed Ben Affleck. I'm sticking to pirates. Yeah. Real highbrow stuff. (laughs) But he dissed Ben Affleck's portrayal saying like, yeah, I just don't get this super angry Batman. I was like, oh, yeah, you only understand the swear to me, not angry Batman. But anyway, so like he was taking public (laughs) shots, right? And so when Elfman gets hired, they interview him and say, hey, so uh, are you going to be using like the theme from Man of Steel or uh, the Batman stuff from BVS? And he's like, I'm going to use the Batman theme. And he like, fucking just sunned him like who do you think started this gangster shit you know and uh i remember watching the movie the first night i got a thrill out of hearing those little elfman batman motifs and the uh john williams superman stuff here and there and honestly he had some of the better sam raimi spider-man stuff that elfman did he brought in a little bit of that flavor too and it's his most kind of generic superhero score ever but it was kind of cool. And so I come home and what I do is go to YouTube. I want to listen to more of the soundtrack. And all the comments are like, who the fuck is this guy to replace Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL? I'm like, what are you guys, 12? And uh, so yes. there's so much, so much. We should talk about the movie, huh? Yeah. I mean, that's a good way to, like, to set the stage. Yeah. It's just a battleground. Everyone fighting each other. The the movie opens by setting the bar so low, they're just <laughs> fucking asking for it. They're begging you to rip them apart. Because when I watched it the other night, I always forget that that's how it starts. It's insane. It makes me want to cry. I started this movie once, and then I couldn't get more than like 20 or 30 minutes into it. Because <laughs> I forgot that I watched this movie until I saw that scene, and I was like, wait. I've seen this. Yeah. I mean, he looks like a video game rendering of Henry Cavill. It's so bad. His yeah. fucking Terrible face. Terrible CG. It's supposed to be like a phone cam, but it's so flat and boring and uninteresting. Like, why? Why even do this? I know. Weren't they, they were already doing the whole, like, mustache edit out. Yeah, CG. because, and this is just another thing that compounded it. They're doing all these reshoots while Cavill is making the Mission Impossible sequel, and he's under contract to have this look, and they won't do it. And so, again, rather than going, you know what, guys, let's just give him three months to to shoot that, right? Like they could have done with Zach. They still push forward. Like there's so many times that they were given an opportunity to not fail, and they went, yeah, but I want that paycheck, you know? Yeah. And they did it, and so... It's the stupidest opening, but then we go to Gotham. But, wait, wait, but before we get past that, though, I was like, kids with a podcast, because these kids sound like they're in elementary school. They're like, I have a podcast. You think that doesn't That's happen? It. I'm sure that happens. No, maybe it does, but I don't listen to any of them, and that would be, I don't even know what that would be like. I bet those kids do better numbers than us. Yeah, yeah. Possible they probably say... <laughs> 
all the I like Fortnite. I like Fortnite. Things. We like Fortnite. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They probably play Minecraft and Fortnite and don't say pussy and dick. <laughs> or they say it more than we do and they get all the numbers. My first three notes are kids with podcasts, question mark, no stash, lip weirdness, and at the very end, what's the best thing about Earth? And all I could think about was what Superman was thinking about. And my head, yeah, my head went to vagina. I, uh, that is his answer. I know. No, it's I, I not, like, you fuckers. Ice cream. The, I mean, the no mustache thing has been talked about to death, but I can't stress enough that it is so terrible, and it got it's so, so in my head. Every other scene with him in this movie, I was like, is this also... Yeah. yeah, I can't yeah. stop looking at your lips and your yeah. teeth. Well, and yeah. I'll tell you this. I think this is just part of my inherent weirdness. But like when I hang out with you guys face to face, right? And you're talking you to me. Lips and our teeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I watch you talking to me because I am focused on your words. I don't look people in the eye. So and that's yeah. where I'm already looking in this fucking movie like any other yeah. fucking movie. And it's just like they could have not done it. It had been so easy to not do it. And Your they, face looks weird. Or yeah. how about this? How about give Superman a mustache? I know that's insane and they would never do it. But no, it's not. I it's would not. I prefer that. He had a beard in Man of Steel in the beginning. Yeah. They could have done it. Yeah. Do that instead. Yeah. They could have done it. He was fucking dead, dude. Just cut the little intro and when he comes back, he's just got it. That'd be fine. That could have been part of the yeah. thing, too. Actually, the kids could have been like, yo, dog, what's up with that mustache, Fortnite? <laughs> he, would just, he would just address it. Like they pepper Fortnite in because they yeah. are Asperger's hardcore. Yeah, dog. How do you build that mustache in Minecraft? All right, so we have to move through this story because we're oh, going to we be like here all night. Minutes into this episode yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, the intro song is dope. Before we go anywhere, I like the intro song. Yes. Actually, before we even see anything on screen and we're getting the intro opening logos, I was already hearing the little uh, elfmanisms and, and uh, you know, my spidey sense was going. I was pretty happy. When the intro actually gets going and they're rolling some of the credit. We're almost there. Oh, I like it, though. <laughs> Let me get there. We go to Gotham right after this. If the movie opened here, fuck yeah. This was a Whedon reshoot, and uh, I thought it was great. I mean... <laughs> the first shot, I didn't notice this when I saw it that Thursday night, but I went back Sunday night just because I was mad at everyone shitting on it and not making a good opening weekend. And so in the second viewing, I noticed when he opens the glass door to come out, the robber guy, you know, that uh, his name is Robert Paulson, that guy. Yeah. You see Batman's reflection from across the street in the little glass there. It's like a Gotham rooftop with a fucking water tower. I mean, how much more Batman can you get? I, I liked that little sequence. It was fun. It's also the first scene in this movie, and another problem I have, even if this wasn't a Zack Snyder scene, where so much of it looks like it does not exist. It's a set, yeah. Yeah, but then, like, really egregious. Like, the set looks like a set, and the backgrounds are so fake-looking. yeah. Where and it reminds me of like the Phantom Menace, or actually any of the Star Wars prequels, where like they never look like they are anywhere. They yeah. always look like they're just in this fake space. And in like 300, it works. In Watchmen, it works most of the time. Yeah. But in these movies, and this one in particular, it is so false. 
I'm not there at all. I wouldn't even shit on the digital artists in this movie because think about timeline and the pressure that they were under. I think they probably could have even done Cavill's face better than what we saw. They just were like, finish it. We have a fucking deadline. We have a date. You know, <laughs> no one will care. Yeah, exactly. I don't remember the actor's name that plays Zod. Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon. But this Robert guy, his face looks like Michael Shannon's face. I can me. see that. You know him though, like when it's, I. It's, it's like a jawline thing. But when I said the Fight Club line, you, that's the guy who says that in Fight Club. His name is Robert. Whatever. Robert Paulson. Michael yeah. Shannon. Uh, no, General, Zod, General Zod. No, this Robert fucking guy. goon guy. Don't talk about General Zod. That's he's the general of Zod Club. He, he's one of the main FBI detectives on Mindhunter. I mean, if we're gonna mention Michael Shannon, the fucking man, we didn't get to do a Man of Steel episode, but that dude is one of the best living actors right now. Yeah. He seems like a boss. Boardwalk Empire, um, and then that movie where he's like has a some kind of anxiety paranoia disorder, and it's really good. I don't want to super go into it, but what I like about doing this stuff is that I have to like whittle it down and like, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What is this similar to? Why do I hate it? Yeah. Why do I like it? What's and missing? What should be there? Exactly. And so, like, Phantom Menace is a good example because I had to start being like. I don't hate CG. It's fine. It's fine sometimes. But if that's the case, when do I like it and when do I not like it? And what is what is it that I don't like and what is it that I do like? And in Ben's Phantom Menace scenario, it's like everything is so heavy that they're never standing in the place and they're never fighting the thing that they're fighting. And everything is referenced like so poorly. And then... Amber and I, um, over the, the like the last week, I, I had this inkling to watch some like kung fu movies. And kung fu movies are silly, and they use a lot of like rope tricks and stuff like that. And I watched some ridiculous stuff. I watched Kung Fu Hustle and Iron Monkey and just some funny stuff. Shallow soccer. Yeah, but I also I watched The Matrix, and before even getting to Matrix Two it suddenly occurred to me that like, you know what I really don't like is CG applied to human figures. Yeah. Because they can never get that stuff right. That's the Sam Raimi Spider-Man problem, you know? It's like, he's just jelly. Yeah, the anatomy is like always so weird. And so I started, so I was thinking about The Matrix Reloaded and they do all these really interesting things and yet, a lot of that stuff is applied to just anatomy and, you know, highway scene and semi-trucks and stuff like that. Yeah. Neo versus 100 Agent Smiths. That seems yeah, disgusting. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, things that they can't do, and it's cool that they're trying them, and yet they cannot. Either it's a cannot successfully pull it off currently or will not ever be able to actually pull it <laughs> off scenario. Because if you apply, like, full CG to, like, robot suits, or I think of, like, Avatar... And if you want to make like an alien that doesn't exist out of CG, cool. I have no frame of reference. If you want to make a mech suit that's fully CG and I have no frame of reference or a city that doesn't exist, fine. But if you apply it to a thing that I know and you don't pull it off, then it doesn't make sense anymore. And it pulls me out of that stuff. And it's hard because we live in a time where you have like the Matt Reeves Planet of the Apes movie and we see what motion capture and CGI can look like so at this point when you're seeing 90s cgi you're like oh for us 
and to be fair, I mean, those really are like about as good as it has ever been so far. The movies nailed it because that's one of the biggest problems with the CG is they always feel the need to to overdo it. And so mm-hmm. it works when the entire production is CG or animated because everything is on that same level. Yeah. But exactly. when you, you see a human and the way a human moves and then you see a CG anything, whether it's a human or an alien or an animal, they move too much. There's too much movement. They react too much and like nothing does that. It's just so, so truly alien. Yeah. It looks wrong to our brains. Motion capture is one thing, and it more realistically depicts movement, either facially or just in the entire body. But then you also, you have like, Batman is like kind of supernatural, and he's like doing some crazy shit, but he is a guy. So when he's crawling around this water tower like a gravity defying snake and then he like when he when he slips off it really? backwards like I love the the fucking whipping around it and shit it, it, I want to think it's dope but it doesn't look as dope as I want it to look and uh, then when you and then when you do the like yeah and when you do the flip thing if nobody motion captured that then it is entirely yeah. CG and it's less likely to be realistic and I want to think it's dope but I don't think it's dope yeah, I hear you. Your brain I, is like, I know how physics works. It doesn't work like this. It would not look like that. That's what yeah, I do know. You've now pulled me out of the moment. I think that it's sort of like his intro scene that we talked about him climbing out the hole in the roof. <laughs> it's sort of like, oh, I actually like that shot. And you're like, that's not how bodies work. <laughs> uh, what I do like about that is when the dude first comes out the window and he looks across to the other building and Batman is just like chilling there. Yeah. Like staring at him. I actually think that does seem like a thing that Batman would do. Well, this is one of the only scenes in this movie where they do Batman right. And there's another one that's very obvious that we'll talk about, but I think this, yeah, the sex scene. Um, Batman is a handsome man. (laughs) We have this shot where like he dangles the guy over the edge. The parademons can smell fear because, you know, we need that to set up the ending. But he dangles the guy over the ledge, pulls him back, and then just fearlessly dives at the parademon, just fluttering around. Like, he's, just, he's trying to take this thing down over nothing but, like, a 200-foot drop, which I think is the yep. most Batman shit we've seen in a while, and I really liked that a lot. This part somehow made it seem like somehow this is the first one of the ones that they've seen, and yet also they are familiar with these parademon creatures. Yeah, I mean, we've moved forward in time a little bit that he's had this vision of the future, whatever. We know that these things are out there scouting, and so I think he's just kind of experimenting, trying to catch one. Yeah, it's just a weird introduction. I mean, part of me likes it, because that's kind of how you'd introduce something. It's yeah. like, oh, it's the first time I'm seeing it. But it, it's just weird for that to come out of the blue other than uh, mm. some fever dream hallucination yeah mm. to have no setup of like yeah i'm hunting these things or this is what those things are that should have been the beginning of like some tv shot of some going like strange people are seeing <laughs> demons in the world and i'm like oh you're crazy and well, the next scene is batman catching one you think that it's all about batman defeating the robbery guy and then he just gets used as fishing bait for a parademon <laughs> actually the dumbest thing about that scene to me was that Somehow he managed to land on the same rooftop after all that, and the oh guy, my God, and the, what... the guy keeps talking to him. I'm like, Batman swoops in on you, dangles you off a roof, and you watch him jump off the roof onto a parademon, right? And you then want to talk to him and say, <laughs> it's because yeah, yeah. Superman's gone, huh? 
It's like it's funny. Well, and, yeah, it's and if, he, if, the, if the goon didn't show up to talk to him, you wouldn't even know that it was the same roof. Yeah. And the whole fly, if the whole flying around sequence, like it makes it seem as if they must have covered some ground and gone somewhere. It makes but it seem just, like that guy is a teleporter or something because there's no <laughs> yeah. there's no indication that no, they just no went so up and down. Up. Yeah. No, All right. Oh, you guys didn't like, read like the Shadow comics. Cat. That guy's a teleporter. Yeah, he's actually read the comics. He knows these things. He assumes you do too. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I thought that'd be the easier part to get through, but um, <laughs> now we have. I mean, the shot of Batman standing, and you see the city behind him looks terrible. Now you can continue. Fuck it you. It starts bad. All right. It stays bad. I liked that scene in the beginning. <laughs> Everybody knows is uh, another, I believe, Leonard Cohen song that was repurposed by uh, a singer named Sigrid. I I thought that she was great in that sort of new style that, you know, like post-Lord people start kind of singing that weird throaty style. Everybody's Billy Eyelash or late Adele. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, think, I think it's Adele would be the better one. But anyway, I really like that performance. You can even tell at times that she's not technically a good singer when she tries to like resolve those longer higher notes but stylistically it's great and um you know we have this homage to the death of superman and we kind of pick up where we left off i'm tired of zack snyder montages set to songs well <laughs> a lot of that shit like lois lane for example in bed looking sad or whatever like some of her scenes were just shit they cut out of the movie and jammed into the intro they're like, oh, these are Zach scenes. I guess it looks cool. We'll just put it in for one and a half seconds. Anyway, I like that little homage. Um, we just kind of show things going off the rails in the wake of his death. Um, they introduce Wonder Woman in a wonderful way. And I didn't mean to say that twice, Wonder Wonder. But I thought for sure that this bright, colorful scene with the comic book terrorist was a full invention of Joss Whedon just because of the look of it. But in the trailer for Snyder Cut, there's a clip that looks like it was taken right from this. And I love her, like, super speed bullet deflection on the gauntlets shit. Like, that was yeah. fucking awesome. Like, they yeah, introduced awesome. her right. I mean, if there's anything, any one character this movie gets right, I'd say it's her. I would maybe say The Flash. True. Um, True. But she's not bad. I mean, to me, the worst character by far is Batman. Yeah, it's Batman. Just like the way they treat him. Because you could get away with the other characters being kind of goofy or like, I don't think Jason Momoa is a very good actor and I don't think he had great stuff to work with. But I kind of, by the end, was on board with his Aquaman, his version of it. Yeah. And Flash is goofy and all that. You care about him about as much as you could care about Aquaman. That's an accomplishment. Yeah, and his movie came after this, didn't it? Or was it before yeah. this? No, it was after yeah, this. Yeah, so like you don't even know him at this point anyway. Yeah. So much of this is you don't know any of these people. Yeah, it's. I mean, they're having to introduce a lot of motherfuckers and having to please so many people and tie up so many things, and it's a lot. But I like how they got Wonder Woman in the beginning. Yeah, her being Wonder Woman is the best kind of like hero doing a hero thing in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. We are introduced to... Barry Allen visiting his dad in prison who I didn't realize until the other day that the prison guard who uh, alerts Bruce or Alfred or somebody that Barry was there 
is Jimmy Olsen from the Donner Superman movie in 78. Yeah, I had no idea. Save that for the Easter eggs, idiot. I know, whatever. We have his dad played by Dr. Manhattan, which I yeah. thought was cool. Billy Crudup is a great actor. Since we're talking about character introductions, it's a little bit later, but the uh, sequence where he does go to visit Flash is pretty great. I know that they used some of that from the original. I think it's slightly altered, but uh, his his humor in this is the one person who lands almost every yeah. time. Because if you take Affleck's meanest, angriest Batman and try to make him into George Clooney, that doesn't work. But when you take this dude who's basically the comedic relief the whole time and doing Spider-Man shit, I loved him in this. Ezra Miller did yeah. great. Did you just compare Affleck to George Clooney's Batman? Yeah, and he was yeah, saying that that's, was better. that's what they did to him. I didn't say that, but but yeah, they did that to him. They tried to make him the funny guy, which doesn't work. In the scene where Flash doodles on that guy's face, yeah, I liked, but then when the guy gets to sign the stuff and the guard says something about it, they ruin it. Yeah, the guy reaches for his face, like, what would you grab? Well, see, I thought I, get it, I, I thought it was a it was an innocent enough gag that was sort of funny that he just drew on his face and then walked away. Yes. But the fact that he like didn't have a good joke and they left it, it was like, are you just trying to look brainy or those prescription? And it was like that's a stupid, <laughs> stupid thing no. to say. I know. Depressing. Yes. I I actually think, I mean, this movie is like guilty of having like one line too many, way too many times. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. And that's how I felt about that one. I thought that the the eyeglasses line was okay. He is tall. The dude, like you wouldn't even know to reach for anything on your face. And if you did, you couldn't grab anything. How would you even know what you were? Why would you even do that? Unless you were an actor who knew that you got your face. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Silas Stone comes home from Star Labs at Zod's ship, and we meet Victor, who is trying to navigate all of his new powers, and uh, we learn it's basically, you know, stuck in seclusion, because he's kind of the victim of this accident, and, you know, his dad's basically trying to shelter him there, because he doesn't know what to do with him. I don't know how much of Cyborg is CG and practical, but I think... He is the best created effect in this movie. Yeah, if you see his actual suit, like with all the Justice League cast members on set, Mm. it's a unitard that's motion capture, and I feel Uh so bad for him because his suit looks cool, and he doesn't get to wear it. (laughs) Like, they all look cool, and he's just wearing, like, a gymnastics outfit. In the final product, it looks great. It looks really good. I think so, too, yeah. He is very much kind of the, the heart in this story, I think. If they gave him more to do. Yeah. Granted, they reduced his role a lot, but I just remember seeing this actor for the first time and being like, wow, the, I really like this guy. He, he's kind of a scene stealer. When they, yeah, you know, his when, portrayal of the character is good, that, just the way he approaches it. Yeah, and, and I don't know what he's going to be able to do after this because he's stirred up so much shit about Joss Whedon and Jeff Johns and Walter Hamada, but I did get to enjoy him in uh, the last season of True Detective, with uh, Mahershala Ali, and I mean, he's he's a fine actor. What do you mean? He called out those guys for the whole thing being a shit show, or what? Well, he, he felt, or he said that he was singled out in particular by Joss Whedon, who just abusive or like mean behavior. And then I think also that in the original version, he, his part was much bigger 
well, kind of cut out. It was for actually like abusive, hostile work environment shit on the set. And so he's been publicly fighting a, a PR battle and they had, you know, independent investigators and Whedon has been basically booted from everything DC and is kind of having a uh, career crisis right now. There's a whole bunch of other people who had issues with him previously or now also. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes like, I feel like it's like a blood in the water. Buffy. Like, it's usually how it goes though. Yeah. But I mean, it sounds like he's definitely rubbed some people the wrong way for a long time. And I, I know that even Gal had issues at the time and reported them at the time. And there's record of that too. So I, uh, love Joss Whedon. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I love the disagree, first two Avengers movies. You guys regarding cyborg and yet simultaneously acknowledge that, like, I don't know how you would pull those things off with practical effects. Yeah. Do you think he just looks fake or you just don't like the design? Yeah. It mostly looks fake, and I don't like the disconnect because, you know, we haven't learned to, like, to diffuse those things well enough. Mm-hmm. But then additionally, his character and Steppenwolf's character, I feel like their voiceovers are so disconnected from their person that I can't mm-hmm. get into it. It doesn't even, it, it hardly feels like it's coming from them. To me. Like the audio version of what we were talking about before. Like, it's just from yes. a different place entirely. Yeah, it's so clean and stuff that it can't possibly emanate from the person that's saying those things. I think the only time I felt any weirdness about Cyborg not looking real was when Steppenwolf picked him up in the air and ripped off his leg. But I thought that was such a badass move that I didn't really care. It's pretty brutal. I will say a lot of what I like about Cyborg's character design is I like the way he's used where he's clothed. Where he's like he's not completely exposed. He has a sweatshirt on or something. I yeah. like. Maybe it's come up some of that where like your imagination will do the work of just seeing like his frame in a sweatshirt. Yeah, and his light illuminating from underneath, and you can kind of see part of his face, but a hood's covering it up. Yeah, I just I, I like that. Some of that stuff was like so cheesy to me too in the writing. When his dad comes to him in the apartment for the first time, and he's like, "What." You didn't want them to see the monster. Like, my fucking God. Like, But again, that's not what he was saying either. If we were to give credit where it's due, he said, and you took that to think that I meant me, you know? Yeah, but it's bad dialogue. Well, it's not- one, it sounds like the way that a girl would respond to stuff, and I hate that. And secondly... Yeah, I, you hate it, women. You're a woman Because puncher. I hate that. No, because I hate that. Yeah, because I'm a lady puncher. And I hate misinterpretations. And it did not sound convincing. Okay. I don't care to go to bat for the dialogue in this movie anymore. So we are introduced now to the, the villain. Steppenwolf shows up in Themyscira. And I, I like this scene quite a bit where he shows up and is fighting off all the uh, Amazons. And there's the horseback chase and flicking off the arrows and... I don't know. People really hated Steppenwolf as a villain. I actually quite enjoyed him in scenes like this. I didn't mind him. I, I still don't know who he is. I mean, I kind of got it from the movie, but yeah. I don't know him from anything before this. And I guess he's like a dark side guy because he uses the boom tubes and mother boxes also. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I didn't mind it. And I know his design is a thing that's like, you're not going to believe it when you see the Zack Snyder design because it's much cooler. It's the same one we saw in the BVS Ultimate Edition. It's just like he's spiky and uh, pointier. It, yeah, I didn't mind this one. I didn't either. And uh, that's one of the few things that, like, all the comparisons that we've seen side-by-sides. I've watched a lot of them. I've looked at a lot of them. And, uh, you know, in almost every case, 
I prefer the original vision, but I've never minded the way he looked. You know, could they have rendered his facial features a little more, spent a little more time on that? Yeah. But design-wise, I'm not mad. He doesn't look like he's real, definitely, but But design-wise, exactly, yeah. There was also some criticism of sexualizing the Amazons in this scene, and I thought that was silly because they're just wearing their, like, 300 gladiator (laughs) shit. After what we just read, I did not get any sexualized vibes from this. Yeah, right. Maybe just by comparison, but... I think it's just because they've got the midriff showing, but, I mean, they got big arms and abs and like big legs and and like think of the girls who are guarding the tunnel and they're like knocking out the the barriers yeah exactly and so like i i totally thought that was crazy talk but i mean it's just another one of the things that people picked apart i felt bad for those girls at the very end because oh they're trapped in there well in the last two girls hold up that last wall and there's no way that they escape the wall before getting squished yeah that's like a very graphic thing that they did not show us and then ultimately, there's almost no delay. Like, if you showed the girls riding away in horses for, like, at least one minute. Like, at least one minute's worth of distance. And they but, talk for a minute and they get yeah, far. Yeah, but Steppenwolf cuts an X through the wall and punches through the wall within, like, 15 seconds of those girls getting squished by the door. Like, if anybody sacrificed themselves, those last two girls with the wall, and then he immediately got out. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. they were really just trying to buy her some time. I don't think there was any like. Well, if I no time, this will show him. Yeah, it was a horrendously underestimated opponent. Yeah, to, no, to no, one, all that. no one got squished by like those last two girls got. Squished. I mean, they're fighting a demon man with a bow and arrow. Okay, come on. I mean, even when he's cutting through the wall, you get the feeling that there's like arrows and shit escaping. So there's like other people still alive in the dome. But those two wall girls with the door got <laughs> totally squished. Yeah. For right. absolutely no reason. No, yeah. it looks fucking cool, man. <laughs> anyway, I do like that part. Anyway, that. Yeah, honor their sacrifice, Sam. Come on. I'm just saying, that's enough time on that scene. I'm hoping we get more awesome Amazonian battle shit. I think that'll be cool. The worst scene in this whole movie, in my opinion, is next, and that is the injection of humor over and over again. We start with this crazy lady talking about an alien probe on the TV, and then we zoom out and are talking with uh, Lois and Martha, and we have the whole, like, thirstiest woman I've ever, blah, 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 and all this shit, and it is... Oh, so your source is a she? I never said she was a she. You know, just like, oh my God. I fucking, I've never seen Amy Adams had to lower herself to this level before, and it pains me. Well, that might be the first scene. I do want to say, though, that the woman on TV, it's so strange because she is so silly and so over the top with her husband getting anal probe in a universe where we know where he probably was captured by an alien demon, horrifically murdered. And that's like the, the angle they're playing on. But the scene of Martha and Lois in the office, that's the first scene of many where it's like, this looks like a commercial for like insurance or yeah. yogurt or something. Yeah, is this the office? Am I watching the office? <laughs> it's just so dull. Written dull, but shot dull as well. I cannot fault the actors for this because I know they're under contract for this shit, but it, it was painful to see that. And I remember 
seeing this for the first time at the premiere, sort of like half laughing just out of surprise at these lines and left with this feeling of like, what are they doing? You know, like, oh, God. I think it becomes really obvious when you've seen enough stuff and you've seen these actors play multiple roles that you realize that they are capable of pulling off whatever and they're only as good as the material that's presented to them. Well, Even because, like, because some actors, I think, can elevate that material just because they are so skilled at like reading, oh, I get what the writers were going for, so I'm going to play this up or do that. Sure. And you can elevate the material, but like initially you're, you're kind of perplexed like, but I just saw this movie in an awesome and I thought that they were like incredible. And then yeah. I watched this and they just sucked. But then you have to realize like they can only do so much. You're always at the mercy of like the writing and the direction and the editing yeah. and stuff. And yeah. try as you might, you can't pick something that's going to suck. Be awesome. Yeah. I think this was really the only, only runner up to the Superman cell phone thing in the beginning of being like, this is egregiously bad. Hmm. There's a scene later where Cyborg's sitting in his apartment and it gave me the exact same vibe of like, what am I watching? (laughs) When he's like scrolling through all the shit on his arm? Maybe. I don't even remember. I just remember like, we're going from all this alien stuff and these crazy battle scenes to this, the most mundane, ugly, boring shit. The movie's two hours long. Yeah. I don't want four hours of this. I don't want to cut it down, (laughs) go the other direction. Well, that was another studio interference thing is that Walter Hamada had mandated a two-hour runtime because not only was the original too dark, but it was also too long. And so they're like, no, we want it to be fun, fast, and short. Well, how are we supposed to make a movie with all these fucking characters and subplots short? I don't know the specifics, but the answer is Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. A heist movie is the template you use. But like Ocean's Eleven is good because Steven Soderbergh is a better visual director. Mm. And whoever wrote those movies is a better writer. But that's what they needed to work with. Of like, you're getting a team together. You have like 14 guys, but it works. You get enough about each of them in the moments you have them to inform those you about Those movies are characters. so awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know how you apply that to this, but that, that's the answer. Well, and I told you I watched those for the first time. And you're like, so would you would you think overall? And I was like, well, every single one of them, I don't know what the fuck's going on until it all comes together. And I'm like, fuck, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's so badass. All right. Skip through a couple things here. So Diana and Bruce, they have the whole mother box exposition, the Steppenwolf flashback, you know, where we get to see a little bit of the old gods shit. I thought that that part was tight. I didn't know who the whole Thunderbolt person was. Hercules, probably. Hercules, okay. I don't know. But I liked the little Green Lantern action a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The ancient Green Lantern. I think there's a yeah, lot of like that. Shazam and Wonder Woman style characters mixed in there that I'm less familiar with. That scene, I did like it, but that was the first one where I realized I'm like, and I give Zack Snyder a lot of credit because I do like, he does interesting and fun visual set pieces that are exciting. Yeah. But how much of that is a worse version of Peter Jackson stuff from Lord of the Rings? Mm. I think Peter Jackson does the same kind of like everything's like fake and green screeny looking and sweeping, but just better. Totally. I never saw those movies. Ben is right though, because he takes like 
there's a spaceship, there's land, there's multiple massive armies coming together and stuff. And yeah. Peter Jackson will make those kind of, um, there wouldn't be spaceships in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but you have just these massive armies coming together in what look like realistic landscapes and stuff. And this does not do that as well. Or like the fight scene in the caves in Lord of the Rings. Could be like mm-hmm. any any of the fight scenes in this that take place indoors. Like they have the same the same like tactic of trying to make a fight scene that's heavily CG with real actors, but sometimes the entire thing is CG. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you know, I think this would be a good time for me to mention that as much as I have watched this movie and as much as we are talking about these things. I don't give a fuck about the Justice League in general. Like, I don't care about big, mythical, space alien fight scenes. And, I mean, we just read one that ended up being pretty cool on Apocalypse. So, you know, that gives me hope that maybe I can be bought in. To, I think it's a fault of the creators. It's not the a shit, fault of yours. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, it's not, it's not really my, my genre. I never read Justice League stories, really, because I, I don't care about that world that they're going into as much as I care about Batman the person. But I had yeah, this thought the other day because I was talking to someone who they're like, I don't really like Batman. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. It's okay. You don't get it. But you don't get it. <laughs> it's, it's okay. You're stupid. Fine, fuck you. it doesn't, it's not free for you. It doesn't <laughs> resonate with you. But my real thought is, a good artist or like the best artist should be able to tell you a story about anything set anywhere yeah, and make you connect to it and feel with it. And obviously they're going to have an easier time if it's a place you care about or a situation you care about, or it's about violence or it's about love or whatever. Yeah. But someone who's skilled should be able to make you care about anything basically. Yeah. And I think the best example of that is like what James Gunn did with guardians of the galaxy because Absolutely. who the fuck has ever heard of any of these people before? And yet they ended up being some of the best ones out of dozens of films. I mean, sure. I, I have so much faith in him taking over the Suicide Squad franchise and seeing where he's going to take that because what he was able to do there was uh, just phenomenal. And, you know, it, you can take something like Lord of the Rings where. I didn't see you it. Seen it. Don't talk. No, I'm saying I didn't see it because at that time, uh-huh. everyone who was talking about it was saying the effects are amazing. That's all they said. That oh, everyone they only said, "Oh, the effects are amazing. The CGI is amazing." That was all I heard over and over, and I was like, "Well, that doesn't sound interesting to me, right?" But yeah. if you can take shit that's made in that crazy world, like you said, and and connect that on a human level. Job well fucking done, man. You know, so I'm yeah, not like yeah. closed off to it, but I'm basically just in this seat watching this movie because Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, and Gal Gadot. Yeah, yeah. yeah the cast is excellent. I agree with Ben because I will more or less follow artists that I like yeah. wherever they go, like throughout their career, because I think that their stuff is so tight. What I do like is that it exposes me to lots of different stuff because their careers are just going to go all over the place. I like this guy, Trad Moore, who recently drew a run in like Silver Surfer. I don't care about Silver Surfer. Yeah. Like I, I never have. I've, like I've always known of him, but I don't really care. Nor is this like galactic stuff really my jam or anything. But like Ben said, I care now, or at least I'm, I care while I'm reading it and I'm having a good time while I'm reading it, yeah. you know, because it's, I'm not so sold on like a particular 
character or a particular world or something like that. But like, if, but if you're pulling it off, you're pulling it off, and I can't deny it, whether or not it's really my cup of tea or not. Yeah, that's how it goes for me a lot of times, and that's why I end up reading so many different types of like this is supernatural, and this is in space, and this is in the past, and it's medieval and stuff. I'll be, I don't have a genre. I have different art that I like and I'll go wherever that takes me because those people are dope and they've been dope and they'll continue to be dope as long as they are on top of their game and I'll follow them wherever. Yeah. And I love following an actor or a musician or whatever and and seeing where they take their craft. I just think in general, you know, I like more human relatable, realistic stories like gangsters falling into clown chemicals. (laughs) <laughs> you know yeah yeah Charles Absolutely. Burger, you come back and you know have very repressed emotions that's yeah. your jam yeah I, I like a vigilante well, love story <laughs> well and the reason i made that point is because i kind of feel the same as you about the justice league like they just aren't as interesting to me yeah and i've read a lot of justice league justice league comics because i like the character designs and the i like batman interacting with them like i said mm-hmm. but i do even though some of that i do think is a problem with them specifically it's also just the people who, who created them or told these stories with them. Yeah. You should be able to tell cool and interesting stories with the Justice League and with their characters, and they just didn't. Yeah, and and really, it's just the actors that make this for me. You know, because I, I, it's sure it's cool looking, but like it's far less interesting to me than most other stories we've talked about, you know, just yeah. in the, the actual meat of it. There's nothing to hardly anything emotional to connect with in these stories. Yeah. In this story specifically, there's nothing that like, who gives a shit at any moment? Like, why should I yeah. care that this guy's going to destroy this earth? I get that it's our earth, but like you show me nothing in it that I care about. At well, all. And also just like every save the world story is so much less resonant to me than a save a person or save a school from Victor's ass or, you know, like whatever, a small personal thing where you can put yourself in their place and feel scared like they would be or something. And I know that's what they tried to do with this Russia bullshit, but it, it, it doesn't doesn't work. Yeah. (sighs) Like skip to the end. You could make flash, pushing a truck with four people far more personal than Superman unrealistically carrying an entire building full of who knows how many people. Yeah. But they don't do it, and that's how the whole thing feels. Adding humor was so much more important than the story or the scene they were shooting, you know? That's part of the problem is that I think those are, that's a much harder issue to fix than just adding some bad jokes in. Yeah. That's why I'm interested but also worried about the Zack Snyder version, the cut, because I think they have a chance to retroactively make it better and pretend like that was their goal all along. Like, oh, well, okay, they didn't like this and they didn't like that and they wish it was like this, so I'm going to do that and just pretend like that was the idea. But if so much of it is just stuff that was already there before that was it's like four hours of unused footage, the flaws are in that. Well, You can't fix that by making more of it. That's tough, though, because from... Multiple analysis of the movie we saw, the consensus is that we have seen about 30 minutes of Zack Snyder footage and that 90 minutes of this is reshoots. And additionally, like 
There's interviews with Chris Terrio and Zack Snyder from a couple years ago where they talked about the movie because they thought it would never come out. So they talked about the original, and apparently the original Chris Terrio script was so dark and violent that even the version that they shot at the time was toned down to some extent because it was even further in that direction. Dark and violent is not the same as interesting. I, I know. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like... We haven't seen much of what their version yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Okay. What we've seen is almost a ground-up recreation using the same people. Only with if somebody could point out every single segment that was those 30 minutes. They have. You just well, got to look mean, it up. I think only with that might you have some kind of inkling, but that might be also still an unrealistic inkling of what the Snyder Cut might look like. Well, yeah, and I mean, you can go online right now and find out everything that happens in it. Say what? The Fuck only, you guys. Yeah, you can. The, <laughs> I'm out of here. The only difference is that we don't know what occurred in these in these reshoots. So, I mean, we could talk about that on that episode, but here we are learning about mother boxes and all this bullshit, and I'm just sitting there in the theater like, Jesus, this is the fucking story you want to tell with our Ben Affleck Batman and our Gal Gadot like this? Okay. Yeah, you, should be, you should be telling me stuff that makes me care about them and their relationship, not that. Yeah. Steppenwolf goes to Atlantis, takes another mother box. That was a pretty cool short sequence. I, like to- I have a little gripe. Yeah. That's right before that. Aquaman saves the guy from the shipwreck, right? Yeah. Throws him on the table. Yeah. Then he comes out and he drops the guy off. He goes to the bar and stuff. But then he chugs a whiskey bottle to Icky Thump, which is pretty badass. Throws but it in the he, ocean. Yeah, but then he also smashes the glass bottle on the dark like a litter bug. Yeah. Like, Fuck you, bro. <laughs> Yeah, he just took it with him, or thrown it in the garbage, or something, or chugged it and set it down. He wouldn't litter in the ocean, though. That's the thing. Exactly, that's his whole jam. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I agree with you. It's like if Batman killed people, <laughs> or if he shot them, he kills them yeah, all the time. If he, he shot them, if he them. shot them with guns on the Batmobile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like what? Yeah, you know, what if that whiskey bottle choked a turtle? Or like if a little seagull stepped on it and cut his feet. Something. Just anything. All right, I'm going to keep this shit moving. So we are introduced to a, a perfectly cast Jim Gordon with J.K. Simmons. I uh, thought it was a shame uh, that we didn't get more. I'm really hoping we get some more of him. I love him as an actor. I think he's a good yeah, cast. J.K. Simmons is fantastic, but that felt like cosplay. Cosplay on a set. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. I do like right before that, when they're introducing the team members for the first time, Barry is so like flabbergasted just standing in front of Diana. That dumb little joke of like, hi, Barry, I'm Diana. Wait, that's not, you know, like I just, all of his jokes usually land. His stuff is like, on one hand, his lines are my favorite lines of the movie. Yeah. And then even he himself also falls guilty of the, like, one line too many sometimes. Yep. And, like, fuck around. Like, God damn it. Like, you could have just left that dude. He could have been my favorite part. I like the the jittery, antisocial. Uh, I like part of what they present. Lex Luthor? And then sometimes, yeah, and then, the, and then sometimes they just take it too far. Like, God damn it. Like, if you would have just cut this two lines earlier, I would have thought that that was dope. I love when they go to the cave and he zips around he's like oh my god it's a cave 
it's like a bat cave, you know, just like uh, he's not talking to anyone but himself and he's just nerding out. Some of it is funny. And then other parts is like, don't reach for like the double and triple punchline. Just yeah. like settle for the one good one. Especially when they're tacked on to a scene that wasn't very funny otherwise. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now it's half jokes. The mm-hmm. scene is half jokes. Clearly that's not the point of it or the intent of it. And a little bit here and there from the fish out of water guy is good and funny, but like I every time Ben Affleck made a joke as Batman or Bruce Wayne, yeah. I was both like that's those are some of the times I laughed out loud the most. And also was like what is this? Like out of ridiculousness. <laughs> yeah, this is this is like a parody of Batman. Yeah, and, uh, and not like an Adam West parody, like a, just like a somebody who thinks Batman is stupid. Who just doesn't get it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a good segue because the next scene is the first confrontation with Steppenwolf. The juxtaposition of this excellent save one person speech that he gives to Flash and supposedly that is Whedon, which all, you know, hats off to him because I thought that that was a Maybe the best Batman moment in the film. Yeah. yeah, that's good. But then right after that, we do have him doing the like, Jesus, he is tall and all those little things, <laughs> you know, and I do like when he shows up machine gunning motherfuckers and saying, sorry, I didn't bring a sword. I think that's kind of cool. But um, it's just one after a fucking another, you know? Yeah. And, and Batman and Bruce Wayne can make jokes and be funny, but he's not usually making those kind of jokes. Yeah. Like that. Oh, you're, you're a big fellow, aren't you? Like, that's not really a Batman. Well, you, joke. you watch him deliver just, it too. And he, he, you can tell he's just like, okay, you want me to, all right, I'll do it. It's not going to be good, but I'll do it. You can't be Superman, Sherlock Holmes, and just like a fucking billionaire badass and be that dude and also say shit that's stupid. Yeah. Goofball underdog character. Yeah, yeah. doesn't, like, even the thought, I am not a person who regularly talks to themselves out loud. It just seems so weird to me. Like, that's like old-timey comic book narrative come to life. Yeah. Like, why would you say that shit to yourself? It doesn't make any sense. I think that it's a flash line. If they had had Flash say, Jesus, he is tall or something, like, that would almost work, right? But if you... I would always look at people writing fiction, and I would think, look, I mean, I know how to write a book from my own perspective. I've done this couple times. I understand that. I don't understand how you can write for all these different characters and make it ring true to those characters. And my fear was that if I attempted it, that you would get it wrong. And this is an example of that exact thing of like, well, I'm using the same tone and style of writing. It's the goddamn Batman thing. You're using the same thing for each person in the room and that doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, the way you have to do it is you have to, you have to like brainstorm and go big to small. So you first need to establish like what motivates this character, like yeah. what's their goal, what's their fear, how do they approach situations, and then every situation you're putting them in, you need to go back to that framework of like, well, Batman doesn't make those kind of jokes because he's a fucking messed up, violent martial artist. Yeah, those aren't the kind of things he has funny. That's that's not his reaction. He's already thinking like. Oh, I need to punch this guy in the larynx. That's where his brain is going. Yeah. He's not making a dumb joke about, oh, my back, or, oh, that one really got me. Yeah. Because that's yeah, not how he yeah. looks at it. He doesn't take the time to say corny jokes to himself. He's thinking about how to critically injure yeah, he's <laughs> large and he's aliens. Thinking three moves ahead. Yeah. Flash is making jokes because he's new and he's young. Flash is so fast that he has time to 
waste on that kind of stuff. That's true. That's who he is. That's how that character is. That's a good point. Fast forward, part of my gripes is that Amber and I just watched Power Rangers, the movie. Oh, no. The old one recently. (laughs) The one with Ivan Ooze? Yes. (laughs) Okay. And they're constantly doing all these, like, post-voiceover, I mean, everything, like, oh, ah, ah, like everything, but also these like high five, go girl, just all this crap. <laughs> they say things all the time, and then that, that's all that I can think about when I was watching this movie. I'm like, <laughs> why would you say shit at all? And so all of their lines became like extra stupid because not only were they say things, but they were saying things that like might only be sort of funny if anybody could hear them, but like nobody yeah. could hear them. <laughs> you're like by yourself in a robot fighting an alien or something. I think it's funny that you had that observation in the Power Rangers movie when its source material is literally overdubbing another show that is its source material. <laughs> uh, I think it works well, better in the show, no, though, because... I mean, yeah, we argue I mean, your point I, for you. Yeah, okay. I mean, the movie isn't... It's not like American filming yes, plus Japanese stuff. It's all... The movie. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. That's all American audience, and so it's not overdubbed. But I appreciate I the mean, joke, Sam. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. but regardless, though, I mean, like, just fight him. And if you want to do, like, chop, 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 or something, then that's tight. But, like, the excessive amount of overdubbing... Like, Spider-Man's gimmick is being a smartass of joking, but yeah. part of it is he's anxious and an awkward weirdo, and so he's using humor to kind of diffuse situations. But also, he is so fast and so powerful that he has these little moments where he can blurt something stupid out, because mm-hmm. that is his thing. That's yeah. what he does. For sure. Uh, we do have a really cool slow-motion Flash and Diana shot in this, where you know he tips the sword back to her, just with his fingertip, and uh, she looks so fucking badass, suspended in air while he's running around the room. And that was a Snyder shot because it's in one of the new trailers. Um, that part is awesome. And then they totally fucking ruin it with the Age of Ultron flash trips, and as he's saving her from the falling debris, lands with his face in her cleavage or some shit, and then like gets out of the way and like, Ugh. and. Gal has been on record saying that she refused to film that and they twisted her arm into doing it. But like, not only is, does it again, totally ruin the badassery that came five seconds earlier, but it's also the same joke you just did in the Avengers movie. Yeah. It's why also she's like 120 years old. That kind of goofiness probably doesn't play with her. Yeah. What was Gal's thing? She just thought that that was stupid. She wasn't into it. Yeah. I mean, I think she has been very protective over how that character is portrayed and wanting to do it right and to have her dignity compromised for the sake of a joke is you know, crossing a line for that character. Yeah, a better um, version of it is Batman and her fighting people on either sides of them and like they end up in like some sort of like weird mutual embrace or something and they have a weird moment of like uh not somebody falls on top of her while she's on the ground for sure yeah like as riley gets older he's more scared of loud noises coming from the television that's your dog and for listeners yes riley <laughs> riley our son? dog yes riley my son it's beautiful black hair all over his body. Yeah, he's just beautiful. He's bald spots. 
he he has one tooth like his mother. <laughs> <laughs> he he's warm and cuddles like his father. He gets scared by loud stuff coming from the television as he gets older. Yeah. So we've been watching stuff at lower volume with the subtitles, which is actually cool because I feel like I've been seeing things that I've been missing a lot. And in that part where Flash gets tripped up, the subtitles say that he says fuck. <laughs> no, there's no way. Yeah. So, uh, I'll find it. Huh. He's like, look, it gets lost in the sound, but the subtitles say fuck. That's funny. You get one yep. per movie, so. Uh, yep. I actually just realized this too, but seeing Wonder Woman stop all the bullets in the beginning and establishing her speed, mm-hmm. she could have just moved anyway. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Flash is faster than all of them, but Superman and Wonder Woman are supposed to be super fast too. Yeah. Science would have to uh, differentiate their abilities for us because they, they all do things at different times like Flash and Superman and Wonder Woman all do things that are seemingly comparable and yet look different at the same time. Yeah. One of my favorite things in this movie, and it's kind of something I would say to the pros, but I'll say it now, is I think the overall the best visual effect is anything with Flash's speed. Mm, yeah. Like the way it's shown, yeah. but also like the, the way the world looks when he's running fast. Like that looks better than any of the other like big battle scenes or the aliens or any of that stuff. And the scene where they're fighting Superman to jump ahead just a little bit. I thought that scene did a pretty good job of showing the differences in their speed. Yeah. Where that Superman was able to give him trouble, but he's still kind of like sluggish by comparison. Yeah. And I think that they're pretty much just redoing the Days of Future Past Quicksilver shit. Yeah. But it's still great. And it's not something that we've seen a lot yet. And I'm, I have no gripes about that. Except for sometimes his awkward body positions that don't make any sense. But in this scene, I really like how Diana and Steppenwolf face off a little bit after this when they're kind of gone into the tunnel before it, you know, all breaks down. She is going for it with him. And he's like, oh, you have the blood of the old gods. Well, the old gods died. And she's just like getting more and more pissed. I really like seeing her go at it. And I've said before that she can't do mean sometimes or angry sometimes, but like in battle, she does. I I think she does an okay job in this part. And part of what resonates is just, she's fighting alongside a robot guy and a dude who can run, run, run faster. (laughs) Yeah. A dude who can run fast. And uh, it's awesome to see somebody combat these sci-fi supernatural characters with a sword and a shield and like gauntlets like that that kind of resonates to me in some way like that's some like old tiny warrior shit and it's extra cool because she's a woman yeah here's a guy with like hordes and sci-fi on his side and a crazy axe and she's combating him with um like bracelets and a shield and a sword and that's really cool to me And the last parademon that comes for her, as it's approaching her and approaching the camera, because we're from her point of view, he gets shot through the chest with Batman's grappling gun and he drags his body back. I fucking love that shot. You remember it? Vaguely. Oh, man, because, yeah, when she's fighting Steppenwolf in there and she's taking on the last couple parademons, it's coming right at her and right through its chest goes with the hook and he just 
pulls it back real hard like he's got a giant fish on his line. Batman is like the Black Widow of these movies where it's like yeah. the gods are fighting all the people and then like he fights one guy at the end. Yeah. <laughs> In a cool way, but he just pulls yeah. it back. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind I'll of on uh, parademon duty. Uh, I'm going to hug the wall and, and punch out one guy. <laughs> <laughs> there was another cool move where um, Steppenwolf catches the missile, I think, that Cyborg fires at him or something. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah. primitive weapons, you know, and turns it, <laughs> lets it blow out the side. I mean, I, I, he's one of those dudes who seems like too cool for it. You know, he's like impervious to the things they throw at him. A lot of his character in this reminds me of Bane. Tom Hardy's Bane. Yeah. Both his vocal delivery, but also just like the way he approaches conflict and his enemies, that kind of like arrogance and high mindedness just reminded me a lot. Of and the, yeah. the, the, the horns. <laughs> the fact that he's a space demon. Because yeah. I know that's the real Bane. With the missile catching. Yeah. That's, yes. The water flood. Santa Prisco was actually a prison on Apocalypse, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, a thousand years ago. I actually think that one a good example, like going back to the writing of how it must not be the actors and how it must be the writing, is that like I thought that Alfred in BVS was awesome. Yeah. And then Alfred in this is not so awesome. He's just kind of there. <laughs> yeah. And I just like, oh, they're going to summon the spider robot to ascend the tunnel. And he's like, I thought you'd never ask or something. And like, just all these like filler, stupid lines that I don't get. He wouldn't have said that in the last stuff. And then he says it in this stuff and just like, I didn't mind that. Once we see the Snyder cut, you'll realize he has 80 minutes of reading poetry (laughs) and playing chess. That was in the, the honest trailers of the Snyder cut. They, They said there was like a, an interlude of Jeremy Irons reading Atlas shrugged aloud. Yeah, that's what it was. Are those books? What are you guys talking about? Yeah. There are other movies. Ocean's 15, yeah. Ocean's 16. <laughs> it's actually the basis for the Justice League. Uh, no. So yeah. they're fighting Bruce and Diana over whether to revive Superman here. This whole scene essentially falls flat. You see Affleck looking weird like this. You, you know, sometimes in the reshoots, he looks different, and it's he odd. kind of weird in the whole movie, I thought. Some worse than others, but yeah. it looks I think like he's wearing once, a fake face or something. Yeah, <laughs> once, he, once he shaves, I feel like he just looks fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. The hair might be odd, too. Like, Ben's right, though. Like, we're not shooting movies. I don't know about techniques. I don't speak know for yourself. Stuff. Yeah, okay. I do not. I've never directed a movie. I don't know what the other people in my what my colleagues are doing. You know, Ben is talking about, like, why does this look so different? Why does this feel so different? You have these scenes, like, before they revive Superman, he's, like, talking to the whole cast about it. And specifically where Bruce is confronting Diana, I was just like, this looks just so fucking cheesy to me. And even when they're talking about, like, they made the legitimate part, you know, like, he's he's confronting her about cool stuff. Like, you know, he's talking about Chris and her hiatus and how she could be a symbol and all this stuff like that's tight but like why does it look so fucking stupid to me? <laughs> yeah. and, and it's just like the shots it's just like why is this shots lingering like why does it start below his dick and go above his head like everything i was just like why does this look so stupid it's constructed <laughs> very strangely like yeah. just even from just a technical standpoint it's constructed strangely like, why is but, this lingering but that whole scene like why 
why is it bad to bring Superman back? Why, there's like an offhanded remark where someone says like, because who knows what he'll turn into with this or something, but like... Pet cemetery. You need... What I liked in that was what you mentioned. He brought up the Steve Trevor thing and going like, so you could be a beacon like Superman. Why the fuck have I never heard of you until six months ago or something? You know, like, like yeah. where, who are you to tell me, <laughs> you know, like if we could have rallied behind you, we would have done it already. Some of that's weird character choices too, though. That, and I, I've heard, I haven't seen the new Wonder Woman, but people complain about that. That like, it is weird for her character to be hung up on a guy from a hundred years ago. Well, that, that, yes, but just her absence and like, not doing it. Like she stood for yeah. something and was honorable, and then just went into hiding. That's more like a logical inconsistency like it's just yeah why why did you do that the movie doesn't explain to me what she's overcoming like what was holding her back why didn't she do it for sure is it just that guy i don't know i don't think so for sure but i did feel like it was valid criticism from bruce anyway like if if there was anything that's, of substance there ben it was Affleck that criticizing the script <laughs> why are you not a hero <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> Okay, so we have the dumb little grave robbing scene and then Flash supercharging the Kryptonian chamber. I don't think we really need to spend any time on that. Let's get to the Superman fight. Uh, Superman is wearing clothes when he enters the ambiotic fluid and then emerges with no shirt. Really? I feel like that's just for the ladies. I didn't know that. Yep, I just noticed it this time because I watched it just the other day. Totally out of the blue because Amber and I were like, we should probably watch this. And I'm like, oh, wait, we're actually going to review it for the podcast. So I watched it again this morning. Well, yeah, you texted me that you were watching it and I responded to you. Oh, wow, that's really early for you. And then you didn't respond. Early for what? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> who, who, who am I? It's like, did he forget we're doing this next week? Or did yes. he think I was talking about the time of day for him to start a movie? Like, I don't know. Well, it's kind of one of those comic book things where I'm like, maybe I'm just not smart enough. And I, forget, <laughs> I, for, I forget that you're smart enough to like set this shit up. So no, we watched it. I, I, <laughs> I like semi watched it in anticipation of doing the Snyder Cup for the podcast, but didn't think about us <laughs> reviewing it for, for the podcast. That's funny. But that means I got to double down, and my thoughts the first time were like, eh, and my extra thoughts this time were like, eh, also. (laughs) (laughs) All right. He is wearing clothes. He's wearing full funeral clothes when he goes in the fluid, and then he blasts out, and then he comes out in pants only. And I was like, this has to be to appease the ladies with his man nipples. Henry Cavill did all that work in the gym. Yeah. Let's use it to our advantage, get butts in the seats. You know what? Garbage writing isn't going to do They're like, look, to show off those titties. Your face is going to look stupid, so let's have them look down here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Eyes down here, ladies. So, quick recap of this fighting the, the whole league scene. Um, we get the head turning at the flash. We've mentioned that. My, I think my favorite part in this is actually the Wonder Woman headbutt, where... He does it to her, she does it back, and then he does the fly up and down thing really quick and like knocks her into the pavement. He like changes the angle of his headbutt. Yeah. Just slam her into the pavement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some cool moves. It's one of those things where 
you know, your story is only as good as the villain. And when we get more excited about the heroes fighting each other, that's probably a bad sign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you just think it's kind of gee whiz. That, that's like the closest this movie comes to like having a worry or a care about something. Yeah. It's like, is Superman going to be himself when he comes back? Yeah. Is this going to work? That's as close as you get to like, Oh my God, I wonder what's going to happen. I care. Will the Russian girl make it out alive? <laughs> I like that part initially, though, where where Aquaman is like, he's <laughs> yeah, he's not right. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he's not right. And then Superman is like scanning their bodies, and Cyborg is the only one to to be able to really tell. Like, oh yeah, he's looking into us right now. Like, <laughs> Aquaman is like, his eyes are fucked up. Like this is something yeah. wrong. You need to this. calm down. You can see that. Like, I can't calm down. Something's wrong. Yeah, with yeah, me. yeah. So, I also know that this is divisive, but I thought his Do You Bleed was better than the first time. Because the first time I was like, eh, it's pretty cool, but it's not like an iconic Batman line in BVS. You know, it's like, yeah, it's cool for the trailer, but I, I didn't think it was like the coolest shit ever. It's not a mic drop line. But in this, the callback I thought was pretty cool because Superman can crush you till your bones poke through your skin. Um, and this being a Superman who's not all there, this is the guy who would say it. And Superman saying that is too much. Yeah, this guy saying it is cool. Exactly. And the fact that he doesn't exactly know what the fuck's going on, but he sees him and he remembers that. <laughs> Except it does sound like his accent comes out when he says it, which is weird to me. He's like, do you bleed? Huh. That's, I liked it. You know Henry Cavill's a foreigner, right? Foreigner? Jeez. Yeah. From where? Kansas. Europe. <laughs> Two thoughts. Lois comes. That's like plan B. The like, very big guns. Up. Yeah, the very big plan B. Correct me if I'm wrong, but... Okay. At the end of BVS, Superman is just dead. And people separately mourn the death of Clark Kent. Yeah. So Lois shows up on the scene in this, and she... Pops out of a Maybach and she runs by a cop and she says, Clark. I don't think that matters at this point. I don't think. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everyone on earth was watching this. Someone was recording it and broadcasting it. <laughs> okay, well, uh, all right. Well, whatever. He's, that's she's not, not super. Good job. Yeah, she's trying to make a good job. Cool. And then Batman gets dropped to the ground and he just has some like fucking cheese dick line about like it's um, definitely I'm bleeding sh- I'm sure that I'm bleeding internally yeah, or something that's, and I was that's like, one of the ones that I laughed at the most and was also like who is this person same here I I laughed at that in the theater I laughed at that and then questioned like what are they doing like I thought I thought the joke why talk out loud why do you talk out loud to yourself it's, it's like what Evan said because I thought the joke was Superman just tossing Batman aside without looking at him, without putting in any effort, just flicking him like a booger into a cop car. I thought that was great. But then, like you said, they have to double down and make sure that you laugh by putting in a joke. It's fucking stupid. I mean, I'm stupid, but I'm not that stupid. (laughs) Stop manipulating me. Yeah. All right, so this scene concludes with the dumbest oversight that they were so distracted by this Superman fight that every single one of them forgot that the mother box was just fucking sitting there and Steppenwolf just booms in and takes it. Also, how is this like spaceship site 
downgraded so largely from because like the previous MBDS, like it's like the entire spaceship. Yeah. And in this, it looks so small. Yeah. I was wondering if they had just kept a chunk of it or something, but yeah, it, it does look a lot different. I don't get it. It's in the same area, but it is like way smaller. That's true. And somehow, because there they are in the like cockpit slash <laughs> ambiotic fluid birth chamber. Yeah, I don't know. Birth chamber. It's yeah. a room where you can make the monster you're not supposed to make. Every ship has one. Yeah. Yes. That's where you fly the ship oh. and make the babies. It's the easy bake oven. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh, Sam, have you ever seen any C Lab twenty twenty one? No. Oh, that's a shame. It's good. Leave it to me yeah. to not get your cartoon references. That's that's what I'm here God for. Damn it. All right. Well, that's a shame. So it retains the cockpit baby chamber, but then also I get the feeling that like Cyborg's dad works in the same facility and the building is smaller than before. Yeah, I mean, it seems like Star Labs is built around the ship. You know, we saw in the previous movie that he was doing experiments with the mother box. That's why Cyborg was able to get it because doing experiments you know, with the mother box. I mean, first of all, that's what turned him into Cyborg, but two, that's how when they were talking about Bruce and Diana were talking about like where are the other ones hidden? Does he have it? And Cyborg shows up like, "Nope, he doesn't have it." and drops it yeah. down because cuz that's where it was. But yeah, the configuration is odd. It's weird. They go from this scene to back to Ma Kent's house. And Amy Adams and Henry Cavill are standing in the cornfield. And that was the maybe the third or fourth scene that now looks like an insurance commercial. Yeah. Both everything in the place looked fake. This is a strong scene where I was like, is that his face? Is it, that his lip? Yeah, it's or not. Is that not his lip? Yeah. And it's one of those where we've seen a version of it in the original 2016 trailer. And then we're seeing this other version of it that's like, just leave it alone. Yeah. Why are you wasting my time? So what I do like where they're going to Russia is the Aquaman lasso gag. Yeah. That's one of the humor attempts that lands pretty well for me where he's just like, look, doesn't matter. We're all going to die. You know what? I don't want to die. And you, you're fucking gorgeous. You know, whatever. Just like it's. And even though I don't believe in a lot of things, maybe there's just something about being on a team and working. Oh. Yeah, I thought that worked really well. And actually, of all the funny scenes, Affleck's comedic instincts are actually being utilized properly there, where he's just trying to give the little nod and he's holding back a little grin and let him know that he's sitting on something. You know, like that is him playing that shit well, because that's still within a believable Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he's not the funny guy. He's the straight man. Exactly. Yeah, because Bruce Wayne is a straight white male. <laughs> Cis hat, rich. <laughs> he's, not, he's not a Tim Burton cartoon. He's not chocolate brown skin. <laughs> I like he's that. He's not gay with nipples on his face. <laughs> <laughs> his live-in housemate and butler. Wait, wait, wait. I do I, remember that we, we left out a moment when he first picks up Barry and he's like, "Wait, what is your superpower again?" I'm rich. Right as the door is closing. That's, yeah, yeah. Now that's, that's great, Bruce Wayne humor. Give me more of that. Uh, yeah, 
I like how he forces Flash to reveal that he's Flash. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, just by throwing a battering oh, in his yeah. face. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That whole thing is awesome. And then he's like, "Can I keep this?" <laughs> yeah. I'm like, "Fuck shut around, up. just." I shut like up. that because I'm the weird collector kid, and so I thought of it like, "What's Billy's roommate in Shazam?" Because he has a fucking like batarang in his collection and like superman's bullet and whatever so i don't know i like he's like you're the batman can i keep this i thought that was a very natural response i haven't seen that movie you don't see shazam nope i didn't see it either i heard it's really good i can almost guarantee you'd like it more than any of these other new dc movies that we've talked about i think you would love it it's super fun as long as it's as funny and as good as suicide squad then i will be on board I don't know about you guys. I was hoping at some point we would review Suicide Squad and Birds of Prey, but I don't, I don't know if you I were down. Those. I liked Birds of Prey. And I, 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 and I liked your review of Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, <laughs> I, I thought that your like, trash tornado was like, that's good. Sammy did it for me. I, <laughs> I thought that whole scene was cool until I thought that... Affleck's responses were like kind of okay, but not very Batman-y. And then when Aquaman is trying to walk out and his little like interactions with Flash on the way out were like... Too much. Yeah, too much. I was like, again, like three lines too many. Like, fucking shut up. Although, it gave me a scene that I would actually like to sample though, because as much as that exchange of like, you know, I'll tell every piranha I know about you... That is so fucking stupid. Hilarious in case you're swimming around in the ocean. Yeah. What I do like is his response where he says, I didn't hear anything after we're all going to die. Because in middle school, or no, high school, I had a record out called We're All Going to Die. And so I want to sample just that bit of I didn't hear anything after we're all going to die and put it in one of my songs where I like talk about my body of work or something like that. I think it'd be funny just to sneak in. But on its own, it does not work at all. I like when Aquaman first sees Batman in a suit and he says, "The uh, just like a bat, huh? I dig it. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yeah, I dig it. There was times where I thought it was too much and times where I thought it was acceptable. Like, why would the Aquaman throw off his sweater but leave on his pants to dive into the ocean. <laughs> if not for the ladies and for the nipples. You should have just like pulled it all off and just had a speedo. That would have made them even more. Yeah, happy exactly. Like either leave your sweater on or take your pants off entirely. I mean the ladies love Jason Momoa and Henry Cavill, so I mean there was there was definitely some uh some pandering to that, I think. Yeah. I'm all for it. Yeah. I'll call it vandering. It's not pandering, it's pandering. You can't. Yeah, it's, make, like, it's, it's vandering. It's, it's no. something somewhere there. No. All right. So. It's pandering to the vagina. All right, all right. <laughs> In case you didn't get it. You just did the thing that you complained about them doing with the jokes. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you, you had to add on one more little thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but it was like I couldn't enunciate well enough and so I had to explain it entirely. <laughs> now, the third act is remarkably different from what we saw in the first trailer. I'll say the best act of all of them. It is a 
weird, red, glowy, I don't know, whatever. Like you said before, just nothing, <laughs> nothing believable. There's no stakes. Batmobile is running around with that siren to bait the parademons. You know, he had kind of been tinkering with that throughout the movie and Alfred had. The gang goes on to take on Steppenwolf while Victor dismantles the mother boxes. So they're kind of just keeping him at bay while Cyborg does his thing. The real exciting part is they've waited a little while for you to kind of forget, like, oh, shit, Superman's here. You know, like, when he came back with the John Williams music and the classic bright color suit, at the time, seeing it for the first time, I'm jumping out of my seat like, fuck, yes, I've been waiting for this, you know? And he was the part I was most excited about for this movie to come out was like, all right, we get to see a redeemed Superman. I can't wait to see Cavill, like, bring him full circle and to have him only show up at the end for the most part is whatever. But the fact that, like Ev said before, we're watching him go off and heat vision and frost breath and fucking flying all over. And, like, I loved it. I complained about Batman versus Superman that like I didn't like the choice to have Superman be the way he was, his mood and his temperament and yeah. the way he acted. And I can acknowledge that like doing something different is not inherently bad. You yeah. can make it work. But I just didn't like it and I didn't think that worked. And Henry Cavill in the last chunk of this movie, that is Superman. Yeah. It's not just that he's doing all the cool Superman stuff, it's his emotions as he's doing it. Well, and he like, he comes in and says, I believe in truth and justice. Yeah. Bam! You know, it's like, he's, yes! He's positive. He's never really, like, worried. He's hopeful and just... Superman doesn't have to be that, but you're going to have to work very hard to get me on board with a different version of it. Yeah. And so to see him, like, they just nailed it in that last run. He does a really good job of showing up and kicking ass, and then he dips out. He's like, Whoa. Yeah. There's people. I gotta I go got, save people. Well, yeah, yeah. I gotta go. They needed that because, I mean, we saw him swoop in and it'd be like, oh, shit, this would be over real quick if you <laughs> if you get uh, just a one-on-one here uh, with Superman. And so they've got to pull him away to drag out the conflict and make you feel like this was actually a worthy adversary, you know? Not some weird B-tier space villain because they didn't want to... <laughs> <laughs> to, to like, they didn't want Dark Side to be in this movie. Yeah, they thought they were gonna get two more. Exactly, exactly. So they got to send him away. They do have this weird exchange. They make another fucking Whedon Schumacher moment where he's like, "Oh, now you like me." You know, Superman says this to Batman, and he's like, "I don't not like you." You know, it's just <laughs> That's like another one that I laughed out loud. And I was like, oh, That's hilarious. It's so bad. And, yeah, so wrong, but funny. It's so bad. Um prior to them actually reaching like this power plant citadel, they have everybody uh, get together, but also diverging from the plan at the same time. Yeah. You know, Batman's going to do his thing and they're going to do something. Just kidding. They're not actually going to do that thing. And um, I do really like some of the stuff with um, Aquaman and the like up in the air and the, Chihu and ride the dude all the way to the ground and stuff, and that's all cool. Oh yeah, you're right. When he when he stabs the dude and then catches the dude to Surfs take his to the thing back, that yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah, that part is tight. There was the, and I'm not saying it's not cool, but it's just one of those like Batman's good at stuff, but Batman has this like awesome Batmobile 
like race through the city yeah. and structures are toppling and he ends up the Batmobile's flipped all the way around and these um parademons are like disassembling his car but he's like he he flips a 180 around the turn and he's like driving backwards yeah and shooting these like gatling guns at these parademons and i was like well he's batman <laughs> 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 I'm glad we got a little bit of that on some level, but on the other hand, it's nothing compared to the Batmobile scene in BVS. They were just trying to recapture that magic or something. Even though they yeah. they reused the joke from earlier where he's like, sorry guys, I didn't bring a sword. When Aquaman <laughs> saves him and lands on the front of the Batmobile, he's like, you are crazy, Bruce Wayne. He's like, I'm not the one who brought a pitchfork. I, I still thought that was not bad if they had chose like one or the other of those jokes. Yeah. No, it was good. Him making fun of Aquaman is more appropriate than him joking about not bringing a sword. Mm. I think that because I know that like training and experience and skill is all based on repetition. Yeah. So whenever I see these things, I so, so Exactly. So, like, so he slides around the curb and he drives backwards, and he also shoots the pair of demons. I was like, "Where is he doing this?" <laughs> like, how, how, in the like, back I, 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 at yeah, Wayne yeah, Manor. Like, I, want, I want to believe that you're that good, but that all, but you're also hey, twenty years. I know, and so you practice. In the Himalayan mountains, when the master was teaching him, they also went over uh, defensive driving, you know, tactical. Yeah, League of uh, Shadows, League of Shadows, driving the car back backwards. But again, this is not like a a year two Batman. This is a twenty year Batman, and we've already seen how skilled he is behind the wheel. That's a fundamental Batman criticism, and not a problem of this movie. Yeah, for sure. Yes. All right, so um, Superman comes back. They gang up on dude. He uh, gets fucking eaten alive by his parademons, basically, and the only thing left of him from the boom tube is his helmet, which is a nice little touch. The whole team lined up in the end. I know I'm a sentimental fuck, but I just, I loved seeing it. The capes blowing in the wind and all that shit. Did you scream girl power at the screen? No, but, I, you know, it's the kind of thing that makes me feel warm and fuzzy and maybe a little misty when I first see it at the premiere. Um, that really did it for me, seeing, again, Superman restored and just everybody there. Was, it was uh, a smile on my face, you know? And the Kent Farm epilogue where... Oh, actually, let me tell you this. When I was at the movie the first time, sold out, of course, packed house, he goes... How did you get the house back? Fucking dude next to me, complete stranger, goes, I bought the bank. As Affleck is doing his perfect comedic timing, the brief pause, where he says, I bought the bank, it's like, you son of a bitch! I wanted to fucking punch him. Did oh, you choke man. this person? Is this the other person you chose? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, man, I was I was pissed, but I mean, good on him for knowing his uh, Batman dialogue. Batman's not going to go. Actually, I killed everyone who worked at the bank. I stole <laughs> yeah, I killed it. all the employees. <laughs> he knows the character. Uh, Barry visits to uh, see his dad, show off that he got a new, quote, job job. And, uh, you know, Lois provides the final narration while everybody is uh you know set off in their new direction bruce and diana 
creating the Hall of Justice, Clark giving us the uh, wonderful trench coat, unbuttoned Superman chest reveal, and the final words of all you have to do is look up in the sky. Boom, as he flies off. And hey, say what you will about this movie being a clusterfuck, but I really like that ending. I thought that was good. All right. Well, what what but what about the double extra endings? Yeah, sure. We've got the uh, mid credits Flash and Superman race, which I'm kind of indifferent what? about. Nowadays, you just have to bank on people that are going to ride the dick of post credit <laughs> super reveals. Yeah, and I think that that the scene is fine. It's just a quick little joke, but it's also. CGI face dumb shit, so it could have just been left out. What about the other other one? Well, I mean, fuck, you just, before I even comment on the one, it's okay, like, sorry, sorry, sorry. so I like that ending. Well, there's more ending, you fucking... <laughs> you piece yeah. of shit. How many times do I have to call you a piece of shit for it to sink in? After the many, many VFX artists that worked on this project, we get Lex Luthor in this beautifully shot sequence of him on a big yacht and Deathstroke entering. We get those ominous BVS violins and like, you better not waste my time. He's like, oh, I value my life too much to waste your time. And we finally see the shaved head Luther outside of prison, of course, but with the suit and like looking like fucking Lex Luthor and saying, I think it's time we start a league of our own. And that is a mic drop of an ending right there. I like the idea of it. The execution was weird. Really? Yeah, it just felt like cheesy and weird. And I, whoever they got to play Destro, Man. the guy from True Blood, the big guy. Yeah. 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 Regards, has been. Magic Mike. Yeah, I like him, but as Deathstroke is another, like, looks like a cosplayer. Really? It, yeah, it didn't, yeah, I mean, maybe they should have just not had him have, like, the weird, the Deathstroke facial hair and white hair. I think the bleaching the hair is like too far. Well, you're about to see him more in the Snyder Cut. <laughs> He's in Possibly. the movie more? Yeah. I told Amber about it on our walk today. And I was like, uh, dude shows up. Like, I don't know. His name's Joe. He's in True Blood. He's in Magic Mike. Like, uh, she's like, oh, yeah. And she's He's like, the, oh, the Flash Thompson in the original Spider-Man. Well, and she's watched Green Arrow. She's yeah. like, oh, yeah, Destro, Green Arrow. Okay, so she knows who this character is. Does he play that guy in the TV show too, or is he just Destro? No, it's not, no. The, it's not the same actor, it's just the same character. No, they were teasing him as the villain for The Batman when Affleck was writing and directing. Uh, so that, that cool. It was one of those where, like, I mentioned seeing The Dark Knight for the first time and Heath Ledger giving that great monologue of like, you and I were destined to do this forever, and, and just knowing that like, you're never going to see this again. And I had a similar thought watching that post credit scene in the theater of like, oh man, that is so cool, and I'm probably never going to get to see what, what this is setting up. Deathstroke <laughs> as a villain in a live action movie could be really cool, but I didn't get that feeling from that scene. Well, you guys are dumb and bad people. Yeah, just thought about that. That's all right. Fair enough. Well, we'll find out. Any uh, random Easter eggs we want to touch on before we wrap this? No Easter eggs. In the Gotham scene with the parademon, 
there was a neon sign on a shorter building in the distance that says Janus, which is Black Mask's family that ended up being in uh, Birds of Prey as the villain. The Janus Corporation. Okay. There's Sionis Corporation. Janus is the two-faced god that is all, always the two-faced stuff. Yeah, and well, they've done like Janus Street and whatever, but anyway, in Birds of Prey anyway, Janus... Say anyway one more time. Corporation. So, <laughs> Janus Corporation is his family's company. Sionis's. Bowie and Prince were both in the uh, newspaper memorial to Superman in the beginning. Lois says to Martha in that terrible scene uh, regarding journalism that it was about seeing the engine of the world as it worked and the big Zod Kryptonian polar terraforming thing in Man of Steel was called the world engine. Then other Easter eggs we've already talked about. Pros? I like Batman and the Flash's relationship. I like the mentoring. Mm. I thought that was effective and probably the most Batman stuff, even more than any of the uh, combat or the action scenes. Just him like teaching him how to be a hero, yeah. how to overcome fear, that kind of stuff was really cool. Yeah, I, I would love more of that for sure. And, and it would just goes to show how great it would be to see him with those Robin flashbacks that we all wanted. Yeah. I don't think I have any pros that I haven't mentioned already. I would say gal, gal, gal. I wrote it three times. No. Ezra's humor. Superman's fight scenes. Elfman's homages. And someone that we didn't talk about too much, but I really liked Kieran Hines. I thought he did a, a great job. Steppenwolf. I liked oh. his voice. I thought it was a really commanding voice. I mean, if you were to compare it to other CGI villains around that time, like what Oscar Isaac did with Apocalypse or something, I thought that Heinz's Steppenwolf was much more menacing. But Apocalypse was super. I just thought that uh, they both came out around the same time, and that was the first thing I thought of, but I, I liked him. Cons? Gal Gadot. Oh. And I don't, I don't mean that... And I say it just to piss you off. I don't mean to single her out because she's not any worse than anyone else. But she, to me, her acting is like on the level of Jason Momoa's acting. Like, she's just not a very good actress, at least not well, on that, the stage. That fucking scene in the hangar where they're going back and forth is bad. Yeah. They sound like they're reading. And like, she only ever really looks concerned or like amused. Those are her two yeah. expressions. She can't, she never tells me that she's angry or afraid or anything she's just a pretty person with some natural charisma who fits the look of the character which to me is the same as jason momoa that that's a good criticism well momoa doesn't fit the look of the character but it's like a, a mixture of but the, the, but the uh, revamp of the character though. I, I know the i know and the uh the, the 90s aquaman was the white guy with the blonde hair but he looked just like jason momoa oh if you if you did a palette swap yeah that's jason momoa well anyway i i think that that's all fair criticism that even i've said about gal before but this time watching it again, I appreciated her more in the battle scenes than I had before just because, like, she's full-on giving good screams and fucking, you know, going for it in those scenes. And I I don't know. She's just lovable. I think any kind of goodwill I have towards her in this movie is more just because I like the first Wonder Woman movie or not. Yeah. 
but I don't in this movie it just kind of is she your lone con no, then all that, all that other stuff I said about this movie is my con yeah it has no I was caught like watching the action scenes as I said before just like wow that's a really cool action scene it's dynamic it's just like exciting you know sometimes it's too much but you're never left wanting yeah as I complained about Batman vs Superman being a boring movie but it just bummed me out that I was like but I don't care yeah. Like this scene's going to end and then it's going to be some flat, uninteresting dialogue to push us to the next big set piece. Yeah. It's just like missing a heart. Yeah. And also if we've seen these actors and characters in multiple things, then eventually you have to think about what role the writing and the story plays in this stuff. Because Wolf, I liked Gal in the original Wonder Woman. And she was fine in BBS, and I don't like her in this, but then she was okay in 1984 or something. Then what cross comparisons are you, are you left with? You know, like, is it the person or is it the writing? Or yeah, it? but I think her performance in those movies was just like fine, also. It's just that the rest of the movie worked well, but I don't think she's like it's not like watching a very skilled actor draw you into their performance. She's just like, hey, it's pretty lady. That's just an example. Then. Well, I mean, she has a presence, though. I mean, if, if you think about it's like a Jay-Z or a Tupac, someone who has a presence, right? There's a lot of other people who are more technically adept, but they have a presence in their voice. She has a presence on screen that is just a charming quality that makes her a movie star. I, don't know. I mean, I'll give you, she has a little bit of charm and charisma, but like the, I always make fun of Jason Momoa because to me, he's like, they want him to be, or he wants to be or whatever, what Arnold Schwarzenegger was or is. Or yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger's not a great actor, but he had good charisma. And a few times he scratched something but like Jason Momoa so far has not gotten anywhere close. And I just, you make me laugh saying that you think, and I get it was a comparison, but they're like, she has a natural anything in comparison to Jay-Z's natural charisma or presence on the microphone like i don't i just think she's a tall pretty person well again what i'm saying is <laughs> that's all like if you were to make that argument it's a style over substance argument you're saying what she lacks in technical skill she has visual appeal and whatever else but i also think she is the most likable person in hollywood hands down watch her interviews watch her films watch her whatever and people just love this person. In our household, you don't really revere a person much more than you do Gal Gadot. You don't know her. She's I, just a pretty lady who's not annoying in interviews. Nah, no, not uh, okay. She she's like in, in the way that Jennifer Lawrence was when she came out. And she's a a real person, and people were so taken by her or whatever. As someone who's really, really into movies, Gal is a, a rare find, even though she's not a Meryl Streep type. A pretty person who can't act all that well. That's not rare in Hollywood in movies. I am deeply offended by this conversation, but I'll, I'll move I don't on. I just like her. I don't have any problems with her. Just Yeah, you have problems with her. You just laid them out clearly, but that's okay. <laughs> if I may, if I may interject, Sam, you are not Gal Gadot, and there's no reason for you to be offended just because you and your wife like this person does you, not mean that Ben's opinion is offensive. Have we done this show before? Have we met? This show 
is because these things that I love, I champion them and I believe them and they are part yeah, of no, my identity. Also, if I may go a level further, Gal Gadot is not the comic book. Like, you love the comic book and that's why we're here is because these comic books and these characters, not because of the real life people who represent these no, characters. No, that's not true at all. I don't read Wonder Woman comics. I don't own a single one. I love Gal Gadot and her portrayal of it. And that's what makes me go see those movies. Even after those movies, I didn't go buy Wonder Woman comics. I just want to see her. Part of what made it work in the first one is that her character was like in a new world and kind of confused. And so her, yeah. her kind of inability played to its advantage. Mine will be really quick then. Mine is just Cyborg, Steppenwolf, bad voiceover, the Flash quirky writing, lines were silly, too many lines. I didn't like some of the character designs. Whose character um, design? Steppenwolf. Though I'm not familiar with whoever Steppenwolf was before watching this. Sometimes like the overly technical character designs are like a little lost on me because, I mean, we just got done reading the Ed McGinnis stuff and I like that stuff. I grew up on 90s X-Men and stuff yeah. and I like their spandex outfits and these are like overly technical outfits are a little weird to me like flashes stuff or what are you talking about yeah Batman's, i mean like Batman's breasts were very big in this well he no. would he put on weight before the reshoots he did <laughs> no no i think that batman suit is fine like flash's outfit is like it's a little weird and and i did think about like Batman's like, your suit is made from a material that is meant to descend into our atmosphere from space. And then I thought about what a, what about his face? Yeah. Um, like, again, talking about Batman's scars, like, if the whole thing is supposed to shield you from burning because you're traveling so quickly, like, what about your face and what about your eyeballs? That's funny because I like that and you're going, oh, that's giving me too much information because now I'm overanalyzing it. Yeah, and also when he was in Russia, then he pushed that truck to safety. Yeah. Well, what about the people in the truck? Like the people did, in the truck did the kids in the truck did burn up. Flash knows the science very well. He knows exactly how fast he can go before he <laughs> bus. Yeah, before so he burns. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Fair enough. Flash, though, it got a major upgrade from BVS from the brief cameo he was in with the stupid mask. Like he looks way cooler in this movie. For sure, and I think that. It's an unfortunate byproduct of getting too big for their britches, but the cinema version, because audiences, like, they want it to, like, go too big all the time. Yeah. If or they think moves, audiences want that. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah, or they think audiences want that. And so what they do is, like, I mean, we've read books like this, too, where it's too big, too fast. I'm like, damn it. Like, but what if you built up the characters and what if you built up the drama between them or the drama between the villain or something? And then ultimately, like, it should end in some, like, really large action, whether just a straight-up physical fight or something that is, like, pretty interstellar super-powered or something. It could be a test but, or a challenge. It doesn't always have to be a fight or a blowout <laughs> fighting thousands of demons. For sure. It just gets too big sometimes or something. And it's, and it's like, it's like I came too early. Like, where do I, <laughs> where do I go from here? Nowhere. That's where they're going yeah, from just here. Nowhere. I think that's about it. With the exception of, I thought that that intro song was dope. Last time me and Amber watched it, we watched the whole uh, Flash Superman race. And we're like, ha ha, that's fine. That's funny. That's a funny way to end it, I guess. And then this time I watched the credits 
and then it turned out that there was the other outro. But in the meantime, there was a bad Beatles cover during the outro that I did not appreciate at all, and that soured me at the very end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because their whole uh, promo for the movie was the come together and unite the league and all that stuff. So trying to do the Guardians of the Galaxy Suicide Squad. Yeah, just like uh, like a, a little throwback, but it sucked. Yeah. I started to realize that I really don't like this CG entirely applied to human figures and, yep. and people can't get it right. And not in a way that looks good to me. So hidden pro is that Snyder's dark style actually hides those things better. Yeah. Like because you can mask those things in darkness because that's like his whole, whole shoot style that actually does a better job of selling those things to me than something. So when I'm watching this movie, it's, it's kind of what gives me hope for like the Snyder cut is that I'm more likely to be sold on those things because it'll be like half masked in darkness than I am if it's like entirely bright the whole time. Yeah. And they took something that was designed for that and they, Gave it a big glow up too. So it's and, like, yeah, exactly. This whole thing is like, it's too colorful and it's too bright. And I'm like seeing too much. Yeah. And if it's darker, maybe I'll be more likely to accept whatever they're proposing to me. But they're like, well, let's, let's, let's make it more lighthearted and more comical and whatever. And at the same time, they lost me on all the things that I really wanted to be lost in. Yeah. You could turn the brightness down in your TV. <laughs> Shut up. You could sit further away. You could squint. <laughs> I can wear sunglasses. Yeah, well, all these things will make it. You'll definitely hide all the things that you don't like. You can turn the sound down. Is that an you option? Can read a book while watching. It. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like these pieces. Well, I appreciate this movie more so I when just I turn the volume down. <laughs> that's true. That's a good call, Ben. Smart. That's smart. It's your life. Yeah, that's true. that's true. I have options. All right, my cons, the biggest villain of all, of course, is uh, Warner Brothers interference. Runtime, constrictions, rewrites, forced humor, underutilized Ray Fisher and Ben Affleck. He was in it plenty, but they didn't use him correctly. Misutilized, yeah. Well, underutilized Ray Fisher and then butchered Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Detective? He made his little siren sound. (laughs) <laughs> well, he does go and track down all the Justice League members and recruit them. Well, he sees a perfect representation of Jason Momoa in a painting and deduces that that's Jason Momoa in that painting of him. He tracked him down to the room he was, he was standing in. He was reading the room. That's part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. Ninja? Yeah. Some may say two ninja. I don't think this is ninja at all. This is like, no. because of the lighting, this is like the most brightly lit Batman we've ever seen. This is not yeah. good at all. That's how you're, you're measuring the ninja. Literally, how dark is the movie? Yes, how hard it I, is. Yeah, it's like, I correlate ninja-ness with shadowy. Every scene that he was in, I saw him. That's not good for yes, Batman with, at all. You know, with the exception of like the very beginning and him sitting on the wall watching the guy, this is him just battling people in full daylight. Yeah, I think that for the most part, he's kind of out of his element and just battling parademons in the distance. But we do get, as you mentioned, some cool Batmobile shit, and that's about it. Yes. Trauma. None. 
he's struggling to make jokes with normal people. <laughs> trying new humor and it's just not working that hurts yeah so is, it not, is it not landing you know yeah. if you were to, to make friends not know any of the context of this movie you might look at it and see because we're seeing a changed bruce wayne after bvs right uh, and so that is part of the story that he's trying to be better and put together this team and do something good right so <laughs> you might even apply that dumb humor of like he's trying something that is not working because he's much better as the angry sad fuck yeah all right that's the trifecta final rating i'm gonna give it a i think a two because i think it is worse than batman versus superman which is also a two I, but it's more still entertaining and easier how but, the fuck you equate those but okay what i mean to say is that batman versus superman is a consistent movie the tone is consistent throughout it. It's it for whatever it is, it sticks to that and it yeah. has that goal. It's dark and depressing and but it's also just very, very boring, which is why I didn't like it. Where this movie is all over the place, so there's no thread to hang on to throughout it. But it was easier to watch. It's an hour shorter. Yeah. And if you're bored one minute, well there's gonna be some other shit in a few minutes and so you can get through it. Yeah. But as far as just like the overall experience, it's about the same. It's a two it's not the worst thing, but it's not very good. Yeah, I can't argue with that too much, Ev. This has got to be a back-to-back somewhere between a two and a three to me. Why does it even approach a three? <laughs> because I don't want to be... Uh, <laughs> you don't want to hurt someone's feelings? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I Okay, I just want to know who you are, that's all. Now well, I and I also are. don't want to succumb to your peer pressure, Ben, so... Uh, <laughs> Because, yeah, saying, because saying it's better than it is because you feel like I'm making you think it's as bad as it is. <laughs> well, get out of my head, Ben. <laughs> Fuck off. I think it's bad too, but I, I want to make sure that. <laughs> okay, well, then I give it a two. There you go. Yeah, I don't Thank think you for doing what I said. There's anything wrong with that? I lean toward giving it a three just because it's a bad movie with a lot of things in it that I like still. And so, but again, the difference is I've watched this movie dozens of times. I genuinely enjoy many things in it. So it's got a shitload of things wrong with it, but it's still fun to watch. Yeah. As I said, I don't want to watch Batman versus Superman ever again. Jesus Christ. I could watch this movie (laughs) a few more times. Fuck off. I would rather watch Batman versus Superman versus this. Yeah. I'd watch scenes from it. I'd go to YouTube and like Batmobile scene and uh, warehouse fight scene. I'll watch those, but I'm not sitting through boring courtroom shit or Jesse Eisenberg garbage or any of that stuff. I don't care. What a downer to end on. Okay. Well, the end. (laughs) (laughs) That's, you know, it's your job. This is your podcast. Sam, wrap it up. Put it in it. Toss the cherry on top of this motherfucker. This is Robin. Thanks for checking out the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warman. All right, guys, before we sign off, I have to make a correction. I incorrectly stated that uh, Joss Whedon 
twisted the arm of Gal Gadot. That was the phrase that I used to do that scene where the flash falls on her and it's face in her cleavage or whatever awkwardly. Well, that didn't happen. She refused to film the scene flat out, and so they used her body double or her stunt double or something and filmed the scene without her consent or participation. So that is what really happened. Fucked up all around. Anyway, we appreciate you guys listening. Please subscribe to the show. Please share us in your story. Take a little screenshot and spread the word. We're going to do a giveaway when we get to 1,000 followers on Instagram. And we're coming back to you next week with the Snyder Cut.